Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. It is so good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. With all of the wonderful saints of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Amen. Wonderful presence of God that is in this house. Amen. Amen. It's good to have the Deathridge family back with us in the house of God. Amen. Glad you're feeling better and all that. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. At this time, uh, all of our children are dismissed to the Sunday school department. Amen. I'm still trying to work that into my repertoire. Hallelujah. But they do such a wonderful job, and it's going to be a blessing for your children. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with, an, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. And because of that spirit we are changed into his image from glory to glory. And I want to preach for a few moments on this subject, where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. Would you set your Bibles down and lift up your hands and your voices with your hearts and let's pray. Oh, come on, let's talk to him for just a moment. Hallelujah. We're thankful that your Spirit is here in this house, God. We're grateful that we can experience and feel the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for that glory that is in this building, that is working both to will and to do of your good pleasure, Lord. Oh, come on. Let's pray all across the building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and give God a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand, greet them in the name of God, and you may be seated. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. God is what we would define in theological terms as omnipresent. Now that's a really cute way of saying God is everywhere at all times. But he is there in the same degree. In other words, because God is omnipresent, God can be here and in China, but he is no more, he's not spread thin. Uh, it's not like water where there's water here, but there's no water in the desert. It's not how that works. Uh, when God is omnipresent, that lets us know that God can be everywhere at the same degree. That means you can feel God the same right here as you would in China, uh, providing the fact that you are calling out to the Lord. Amen. Uh, but one, one of the keys of omnipresence, this is more of a, uh, an attribute of God, and it is a way to define a God that is omnipotent. That's another way of saying all-powerful, uh, omniscient. He's all-knowing. It is ways that we only use those words to define God because there's no one here that is omnipresent. 
Uh, now, you might wish you were, but the truth is you can only be here. You can't be somewhere else. Hallelujah. There's some people that think they're omniscient. They think they're all-knowing, but the truth is that ended when you were 16 years old. Some people think they're omnipotent. They got all power, uh, but let's be real. You got all power until the flu hits. Uh, and, and then you realize just how quickly uh, you are a mortal individual. But when we talk about God, he gets his own definitions. When we talk about God, there is nothing like him. That is one of the highest attributes of God. The Bible says that God is. The Bible says God is love. That is his essence. And God is holy. That is his overarching attribute. Holiness is God's separate nature. He is unlike anything else. Anybody ever experienced that? That There is nothing like Jesus. There is no one on earth that can compare. He is in a category of his own. There's You don't say Jesus and then put a few commas. No, when you say Jesus, that's all you need. Oh, does anybody know that to be true? So God is omnipresent. That is, that is one way of saying God is everywhere. He's not spread thin. But that is, that, is, that is the way that David looked at it when he said in Psalms 139 and 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, now I don't know who would make their bed in such a place, but even if I were to make my bed in hell and lie down in the grave, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. Thy right hand shall hold me. If, if I say, surely darkness will cover me, even the night shall be a light about me because God is still there even in the darkness. Somebody said amen. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Can I tell somebody here today, you can be on top of a mountain. You could be at the bottom of the lowest valley of your life, but God is still right there by your side. It could be the brightest day or the darkest night, but I want you to be encouraged about our God. He's omnipresent. He's right there. You can try to hide in a cave, Elijah, but God is standing right there at that cave, and he's there with you. David would put it this way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Oh, somebody praise him. If you're grateful that God is an ever-present help in times of of trouble. God is everywhere. David said, I could even make my bed in hell. I could go and, and, and I could try to hide myself. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I hide myself from your presence? I can't go down the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest place on earth, and hide from you, Lord. I can't go to the peak of Mount Everest, which is the highest place on earth, and hide from your presence. David is saying, you are there. You are with me. I can try to hide, but you will find me because you don't even have to look. You are right there with me. David understood God is everywhere. Paul put it this way in Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. The Bible would say the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. There is a difference, however, between the omnipresence of God and what we would define, and, and this definition or title could be changed, between the omnipresence of God 
and his manifested presence. There is a difference between the fact that God is everywhere at once. Yes, I want you to know that God is in church here today, and he is in the bar with the drunkard. I know some folks go, well, God God won't be there. No, his omnipresence, the fact that God is everywhere, God can do all things. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Amen. God is everywhere. He's in church. He's at the bar. He's everywhere. But I want you to know his glory will not dwell in those places. His manifested presence might be here, but it's not like it is at the bar. There is no manifested presence. Amen. So there is something different between God just being everywhere. And I know people use that excuse. Well, uh, I I go to, you know, I'm at the bar and God's there with me. Yes, in, in theological terms, you're right. But there is a big difference between God being present, if you will, and and, and just God being everywhere. I want you to know there is a big difference right there between God just being God and being everywhere and us being in him, moving and having our being and God's presence coming down and dwelling with us and dwelling in us. Ephesians chapter 4 and 6, the Bible says there is one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. We see that there is a God that, that, that unlike the agnostics would say, that there might be a God, but he's not interested in any of us. That's how some people would believe. There might be a God. The atheist would say there is no God. The Bible says a fool would say in his heart there is no God. So you just define them a different term. But, uh, but, but at the same time, the, the agnostic would say there might be a God, but if he's there, he's, he's way out in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't care about us. Uh, but, but my Bible says there's one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And as you look through your Bible, you will find that God shows up uh, in very special ways. We know that God shows up as the God uh, that is above all, if you will. I like to define this in my own terms you can use your own as the God that visits us we see this in the Old Testament that God visit there was a visitation of God by with Abraham as the angel of the Lord showed up he appeared unto Moses as a burning bush he showed up to the high priest once a year in the tabernacle he was the fourth man in the fire God showed up I want to tell the agnostic that God is the kind of God that shows up God is the kind of God that will make visitation. It doesn't matter what's going on, Abraham. You might be confused, but God will show up. You might be in the fire, and the fire's not going to burn you. I'll tell you why. Because the, the fourth man will show up in the fire. Moses, you may not know what you're supposed to do right now, but there will be a visitation from the Most High in a burning bush. Has anybody ever been visited? Hallelujah. We call these in theological terms a theophany. That is a visible appearance of God. This is what we would call in Paul's account, looking back and saying, this is the God who is above all. And yet he comes and he visits. Then we see that there are manifestations. There's a manifestation 
We see this in the New Testament. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, the Bible says, that he might destroy the works of the devil. When he was born, the angel said you should call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Paul is saying there's a God who's above all. He'll visit you, but I want you to know there's a God that is through all, that was among us. His name was Jesus. When you say, when you say the name of Jesus, Emmanuel is not a name. Emmanuel is a verb. When you say the name, his name shall be called Emmanuel. When you call the name of Jesus, Emmanuel happens and God appears and there's a manifestation. Anybody ever been in a time of trouble and you called on the name of Jesus and all of a sudden, Emmanuel, God was with you. He was with you when you should have wrecked. He was with you when you were sick. Amen. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he says his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. He is God who is above all, through all, with you all, if you will. And then he says that he is in you all, speaking to the church. There's another level. There's visitation. There's manifestation. These aren't, these aren't three different persons. This is three different ways in which God shows himself to humanity. Uh, he is the God that is watching over all of us. Uh, and some people are okay with God just watching over them. And there's some folks that are okay with every so often through the week God showing up amongst them. Uh, but there is another level in which we can live. Uh, and it goes beyond visitation. Uh, it goes beyond manifestation. Uh, and it goes to what I call habitation. Uh, amen. And the Bible says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost in whom the Spirit of God dwells. I want you to know that when you get the Holy Ghost, it goes beyond a visitation. It goes beyond a manifestation. God's not just above you. God's just not with you when you're going through a hard time. But when you get the Holy Ghost, it's Christ in you, the hope of Glory! Oh, somebody praise him! If God filled you with the Holy Ghost, give God a shout of praise. You went beyond just seeing God once in a while. When you were going through it, you went beyond God just showing up in your hard times. You went to the place where God indwelled you in the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody praise him. Take a moment, just worship him. I want you to know you got a presence that the rest of the world does not have. you got a manifestation of the Spirit that no one else has. It's called the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody magnify him. Hallelujah. So God, God is the God who's above all, through all, and in you all. I love how he prefaced it. One God. As some people say, well... God the Father chills in heaven. Jesus showed up for about 30 and a half, 33 and a half years, and, and he disappeared, and then he sent the Spirit. No, no, that's not how this works. There's one God, and that one God is watching over you, and that one God will manifest himself to you. But Jesus put it this way, I am with you, but I shall be in you. The greatest gift ever given to a mortal is that a holy God would indwell unholy people that... A, 
that a perfect spotless God would show up and meet with us and not just meet with us. He said, I am with you, but I'll soon be in you. I don't want to just be around you, above you. I want to be on the inside of you. I'm talking about a lifestyle of the Spirit of God. I'm talking about when you go to Walmart, you got the Spirit of God. I'm talking about when you're at home cooking eggs and bacon, you got the Spirit of God. It's a habitation. He lives with me. He lives in me. Hallelujah. Now we have to define that when we talk about the Spirit of God, when we talk about where the Spirit is, we've got to talk about where the Spirit is not. I've already defined God as everywhere and not thinned out. We're talking about God's manifested presence, if you will. His glorious presence. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it begins to give instructions to believers, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial or Christ with the devil? Uh, these are all rhetorical questions. The answer should be they have nothing in common. Uh, what part has he that believeth with an infidel or an unbeliever? Uh, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Uh, for you are, I want you to notice, he says this, uh, all these rhetorical questions. Uh, there should be no communion. Uh, there should be no, and we use this when we're teaching Christianity, uh, that there should be a distinction. There should be a separation. The church should not look like the world, dress like the world, act like the world, be entertained like the world. The church is a completely separate entity. There is no communion. It's like light and darkness. You flip on the light and my Bible says the darkness could not comprehend the light. There is so much distinction that when God said, let there be light, darkness was completely divided from light. And every time light shows up, darkness has got to flee. That lets me know that when you get the light of revelation, when you get the light of the word of God, when you get the light called the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When you get Christ in you, all the darkness on the inside, it's got to flee. It's got to run because it can't even comprehend there's something that happens when you get the Holy Ghost. When you get the Spirit of God, there is, there should be, let me put it that way, there should be a distinction. There should be a distinction between an apostolic person and an alcoholic at the bar right now. There should be. It should be internal and it should be external. There should be some noticeable differences. Amen. There should be differences in lifestyles, thought processes. You go down the list. But the Bible continues on and says, for you are the temple of the living God. He just said, what, does, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? There is no agreement there. In other words, we don't worship like the rest of the world worships. And we don't worship what the rest of the world worships. We don't give our praise to rock stars, rap stars. We don't give it to sports stars. We're not interested in giving it to reality stars. No, there is no agreement between the temple of God and idols. Our worship belongs to only one God. God, and his name is somebody shout his name somebody shout the name that saved you somebody shout the name that redeemed you there's no one but Jesus somebody praise him but this is the goal 
This is why there is no communion, communion of light and darkness. There is no concord. There is no agreement with Christ and the devil. There is no agreement between the church and the world, the church and the devil. There is no agreement there. We don't have a contract that says, well, we'll leave you alone if you leave us alone. We don't write contracts with the devil. Huh? We, we just stand on the word of God that says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The Bible says that I, you are the temple of the living God in whom the Spirit of God dwells. He said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then he says this, there is, a, there is a caveat here, something that has to be in place. He says, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's saying there is a prerequisite for anybody that wants God to live in them, to dwell in them, to walk in them. He's saying you got to come out from among who? The Belial. you got to come out of darkness. Darkness. You got to come out of infidel or unbelief. You got to come out of darkness. He's saying, separate yourself. He said, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Can I tell you, when you got the Holy Ghost and it was Christ dwelling on the inside, when you came out of sin, when you came out of the world, when you came out of dysfunction he's saying I will walk in you I will dwell in you I will be your God and you will be my people oh lift up your hands and magnify him come on thank you Jesus thank you Jesus somebody magnify him Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The bar and the honky-tonk doesn't have the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is not at the bar. I want you to understand me that in his omnipresence, he's everywhere. But I've come to talk about the glorious presence, the manifested presence. He's not chilling at the bar. I'm telling you where he is. He's inside of every person that's been filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm not a God that is made with hands. I don't need anybody or anything else. I am God all by myself. I don't dwell in a temple that was made with hands as though I needed anything. He said, I will walk in you. I will dwell in you. I will be your God and you will be my people. Somebody shout if you're thankful. You are where the Spirit of the Lord is. You are where the Spirit of the Lord is. He said, I will dwell in my people. Oh, lift up your hands and let's worship him. Hallelujah. Now we got to define, when we talk about where the Spirit of the Lord is not, He doesn't, there is no communion with those things. Some people go, well, why, why can I not feel God? Well, God's everywhere, yes, but why can I not feel God? Now there's times and seasons where you don't feel God. That's nothing, it's nothing unnatural. But there are times where God says, I will not dwell. I will not dwell with that. He said, you will have no other gods before me. There's got to be some separation, some distinction from, from some things. Uh, it, was, it was after Abraham had disconnected from Lot that God finally started talking to him again. Sometimes you got to disconnect from certain relationships. Because God knows that that person's influence in your ear is going to be more potent and more powerful than what I want to speak into your life. And God will not compete for your affection. God will not compete for my affection. God already did that on Calvary. For God so loved the world. 
that he gave it's only see God's not looking to come down right now and say please 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 love me he said no I'll love you when you're unlovable the Bible says we love him because he first loved us amen God already showed his love the Bible says God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us if you're waiting on God to show you some love he already did God's not going to show up in the next six weeks in your life and say, please love me, please love me. He'll just point you back to an old rugged cross and say, see how much I love you. I did it when you didn't love me. I did it when you hated. When you love sin more than you love the Savior, and yet I still did it because I love you. That's the kind of God we serve. But there's things that happen where the Spirit of God is not. Where the Spirit of God is not, The Bible says in Genesis that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. When you look at a place where God is not, you will will see nothing but darkness, emptiness, pointlessness. You look at any life that is without God. Does anybody remember where you were when God first found you? If we were to be honest, I know some folks think they had it all together. And amen, I was always this good. But for the rest of us that live in the real world, I just want to let you know my life was pointless. My life was hopeless. I was depressed, oppressed, you name it. And it was not, it was not because, amen, I, I, was, I was necessarily this terrible person. No, it's because I didn't have the Spirit of God. I was living in a life where the Spirit of God is not. I was living in an environment where the Spirit of God was not moving. I lived in a home where the Spirit of God did not move. I lived in a home where drugs were moving around, where alcohol was being passed around, but the Spirit of God was not moving around. Where the Spirit of the Lord is not, there is nothing but emptiness void. There are laws of, of thermodynamics and physics, and, and one of them is the law of entropy and atrophy. In other words, those laws basically state that everything in life is decaying and falling apart. That if there is no maintenance, if there is no, no one to come by and repair things, it is falling apart by nature. Things are collapsing among themselves. Because without the Spirit of God, without the Spirit of life, if you will, because when you get the Holy Ghost, don't want to get ahead of myself, there's nothing but newness of life. There's, not, there's nothing but a, a, a quickening spirit. But without that, things decay, and people wonder, why has my life gotten worse, gotten worse, gotten worse? Can I, can I tell you, sir, can I tell you, ma'am, without the Spirit of God, that's how everybody's life is. They can have more money in the bank than you, but their life is decaying. They can have a, they can have a lot more things in, the, in their life, a better car, a nicer house, amen, but things are decaying. Their body is slowly dying. Things are happening to everybody, amen. And in a world without the Spirit of God, there is nothing but emptiness void. You look at every person in the graveyard and you recognize they could be rich, poor. It doesn't matter because they all made it to the graveyard. But I've come to let you know that that's the world without the Spirit of God. But we've got a world in here where the Spirit of the Lord is. We've got a world in here where the Spirit of the Lord is. And can I preach to somebody for just a moment about some of the things that happen where the Spirit of the Lord is. When you get the Holy Ghost, there is one guarantee to guarantee to always be where the Spirit of the Lord is, and that is to be filled with His Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as 
because the Spirit gave them utterance. When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't have to worry where is God. You just got to open up your mouth and begin to pray, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Because when you got the Holy Ghost, he said, you are the temple of God. I dwell in you. I walk in you. You want to know where the Spirit of the Lord is? Just start praying because it's Christ in you. Somebody worship him all across the building. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let me preach to some church folk. Well, I don't know. I just don't feel God. Did God ever fill you with the Holy Ghost? You can begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden, there is liberty. When you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, there is freedom. There is deliverance. In the New Testament, everybody wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. You know why? Because they knew they were religious people. They understood that the only way to get to God is we got to go to the temple. The only way we can get to God is we got to go before a high priest, and the high priest will take our lamb sacrifice, and that lamb sacrifice, he will slay it, and he will sprinkle the blood, and we will sit there in the outer court, and we will sit there, amen, as he takes away, and he gets to go into the presence of God, and we ourselves do not get to go into the presence of God. There was a day where people could not get into the presence of God. There was only one individual called the high priest that was allowed to get in the presence presence of God. I think sometimes we take the presence of God for granted. It was there that the Shekinah glory of God would fall. There in the tabernacle, as the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, that God showed up, and it was an atonement for the sins of the people and the sins of the nation. And only one person once a year got to experience the presence of God. But I got good news for somebody here today. You don't got to wait for that once a year. You don't got to wait to be in a temple with a high priest and somebody else gets to experience the presence of God. But my Bible tells me in the book of Ephesians that we now all have access through his spirit. Oh, come on, because you got the Holy Ghost. You now have the ability to get access to where the spirit of the Lord is. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. People in the, in, the, in the New Testament, they recognize I'm not allowed to get in the presence of God. I'm not a high priest. I'm not of the tribe of Levi. I don't have the right bloodline. Some were, in fact, most showed up to see Jesus were sick. Mm-hmm. Anybody ever came to Jesus sick? They were possessed. They had problems. They had dysfunction. Some were not even born to the right nation. They came and made their requests. Before Jesus, they didn't realize that they were standing in the presence of God. They just recognized we've got a need. And it didn't matter where Jesus was, everybody showed up because they wanted to be in his presence. They wanted to be where the Spirit of the Lord is because they knew when I get in the presence of Jesus, they may not have had the theology right. They may not have known who he really was. But they recognized when I get in the presence of Jesus, all of a sudden, I might have been sick in my body like Peter's mother-in-law. But Jesus 
Jesus takes her by the hand and lifts her up. I might have been deaf. I might have been blind like Bartimaeus. But it was when Jesus came and prayed and touched me. All of a sudden, I got my sight back. And there were some folks that were lepers, couldn't touch nobody. But they knew when I get where the Spirit of the Lord is, where I get where the presence of God is, when I get before Jesus, all my leprosy's got to go. All my diseases have got to go. All my dysfunctions have got to go. Can I preach to somebody? We got something better because we got the Holy Ghost, which is Christ in us. We don't got to wait in line. We don't got to climb up roofs. We don't got to hide in in trees. Come on. I've come to let somebody know when you get the Holy Ghost, you'll get the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pray. Let's stand all across the building and let's pray. Hallelujah, let's pray all across the building. There's some folks that you have yet to receive the Holy Ghost, but I've come to let you know you can have the Holy Ghost, and everywhere you go, you can be where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's some folks, you got the Holy Ghost 40 years ago, and you've been struggling, but I've come to let you know you can pray back through to the Holy Ghost, and you can be where the Spirit of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is power. Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Anybody ever got power when you got the Holy Ghost? I'm talking about power when you get the Holy Ghost. There is healing when you get the Holy Ghost. Our Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That can be translated freedom. That can be translated deliverance can I tell somebody uh, that when you get the spirit of the Lord uh, amen you get filled with his spirit uh, you pray in his spirit uh, you might be in bondage right now can I preach to somebody uh, you might feel like you're locked up right now uh, your finances might be locked up uh, your health might be locked up uh, you've got family that's locked up uh, you've got situations that are locked up uh, there's things that you don't know what you're going to do uh, but just like Jesus told Peter whatever you bind on earth uh, is bound in heaven uh, whatever you loose on earth uh, is loose in heaven uh, I'm telling you you've got access uh, to liberty uh, through the spirit of the Lord when we have the Spirit of the Lord show up, talking about that glorious presence of God, you can have it here at church. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can have it at home. You can have it in your car. You can be driving down the road and say, God, I need liberty. God, I need freedom. And I've come to give you a promise from the Word of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Lift up your hands and let's pray. There is liberty in this house because the Spirit of the Lord is here. The glory of the Lord is here. Come on. We want a manifestation of His presence. We want people to go home with the habitation of the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, anointed with power, with victory, with liberty. Somebody pray right now. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's pray. Oh, come on, lift up your voice, church. 
There's some folks that if we were to be honest, there are areas that there is no liberty. There's no liberty in finance. There's no liberty in health. There's no liberty in your mind. There's no liberty in your spirit. I've come to let you know that if you keep the Spirit of the Lord moving in your life right now, there is liberty. There is liberty. That's why when we pray, he said, I'll answer from heaven. When you worship, he said, I inhabit the praises of my people. Something shifts. Something happens. There's something happening right now in the Spirit because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And there is is liberty I want to open up this altar would you come and pray lift up your hands lift up your voice come on why don't you be at your seat and say God I need to be where the Spirit of the Lord is I need the Spirit of the Lord moving in my life right now because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is deliverance, there is healing, there is power, there is anointing, there is authority. And when you get the Holy Ghost, when you get refilled with the Holy Ghost, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are activating in faith the Spirit of the Lord. And liberty is a direct result. Freedom is a direct result. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Somebody tap in in the Holy Ghost. I need liberty. I need liberty. I need... Come on. Every area you feel bound up, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And there is liberty. There is liberty. There is glory. There is power. There is freedom. Come on, I feel it right now. It's breaking right now. It's breaking. There's, there's going to be liberty on your job. There's going to be liberty in your marriage. There's going to be liberty in your family. There's going to be liberty in those that are lost in your direct connection. There's going to be liberty as you go around the street. There's liberty. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost flow. Let the Holy Ghost pour out right now. Somebody tap in. Church, if there's ever been an hour to pray in the Holy Ghost, it's right now. It's this hour. It's this moment. We need liberty in Carson City. We need liberty in Fallon. We need liberty in Reno and in Sparks and in South Lake Tahoe and in Incline. We need liberty in our region. We need liberty in the lives of our neighbors and our friends and our family and our co-workers somebody pray right now in the Holy Ghost come on there's a liberty breaking because the Spirit of the Lord is here there's a liberty breaking right now when you pray in the Holy Ghost there is a liberty breaking
Come on, somebody break through in the Holy Ghost. Liberty is coming your way. Deliverance is coming your way. Of the Lord, He inhabits the praises of His people. There's deliverance in His name. 